Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the EMG podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Byrne, and I'm joined by Isabel O'Brien, my fellow content and editorial assistant for Gold Magazine. How are you today, Isabel? I'm very good, thanks. Looking forward to diving into the exciting world of patents. Indeed, so patents. Now, Isabel knows much more about this than I do because she's recently written and published an article about patents for our gold website. So for my sake, Isabel, and for maybe some of our listeners too, can you please tell us a bit about patents, what they are and why they are so important? Sure. So a patent gives an invention legal protection. So when a pharmaceutical company develops a new drug, they brand it, then they patent it. This means that only that company can manufacture, market and ultimately profit from that drug whilst it's under patent. Right. So in this way, a drug is just like any other product. Yeah, exactly. So how long is the average patent valid for? Um, So on average, 20 years. However, in terms of pharma, these patents have to be applied for at the research and development stage. So by the time the drug has been approved, there may only be seven to 12 years left of patent protection. This limits the amount of time pharma companies have to recoup costs before the drug becomes generic and can be manufactured by anyone. I see. In your article, you talk about the upcoming reform of the current European patent system. So how is this going to benefit pharma and will it help solve this problem? Well, the reform package is comprised of two parts, unitary patent and unitary patent court. And whilst pharma companies will still need to apply for a patent at the research and development stage, that's not necessarily going to change. It will be far quicker, simpler and cost effective to do so. How so? Well, at the moment, patents must be applied for in each individual EU state. Mm. So if you wanted a patent in Germany, you'd have to apply for it in Germany, Poland, you'd have to apply for it in Poland. This takes time and costs a lot due to the fact that you have to have at least part of the text translated into that country's native language. And also it's quite tricky legally when a patent is infringed upon or challenged as these proceedings must be heard in each individual state that that product is patented within. Right. Very bureaucratic. It does sound like a very lengthy, drawn out process then. Yeah, it is. And uh, unitary patent is sort of set to streamline all this. What it would be is that it would enable patent protection in 26 EU member states with one single application. That also means there'd only be a singular renewal fee. Mm. In addition to this, the text would only need to be translated into the three official languages, which are English, French and German. This is particularly relevant for pharma because obviously disease is universal. And they're always going to need patent protection in several states. For example, if you're a snowplow designer, this might not be quite as relevant (laughs) because you don't need snowplows in every single country. But for pharma, this could actually be a pretty big deal. It's a good analogy. I wonder if it'll be the first and only time that we mention snowplows on the podcast. (laughs) I think it probably might be. Um, (laughs) So um, what about unitary patent court you mentioned? How would that benefit pharma? So the court is obviously going to come into play when it comes to infringements and prosecutions. Each patent area, for example, life sciences, is going to have its own court. And this will mean that all these cases are held in one place, in front of one jury and under a specialised set of judges who are very used to prosecuting or dealing with these kind of infringements. At the moment, these hearings are conducted across Europe in different countries in non-specialised courts, and they can take up to three years. So if this whole process was streamlined, was, was streamlined, sorry, Pharma companies would see massive benefits in terms of saving time and money. Right. So um, this whole idea sounds very positive overall so far. Is it all good? Well, there is one rather big catch, and that is if the UPC revokes a patent, it will fall in all states. Currently, if a patent is revoked in one country, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be revoked in another. So, yeah. 
that could be an issue. But the consensus with patent attorneys in general is that the UPC will be more pro-patentee than the current individual European courts. So providing your patent is sound, I feel like for pharma, it is very likely that it will be maintained. Okay. So when can we expect the package to be enacted? Well, unitary patent, the package itself, was actually approved by the EU Parliament back in 2012. And it only needs to be ratified by the leading patent applicants in Europe to come into effect. These are the UK, Germany and France. But obviously, we're eight years down the line and it still hasn't arrived. It isn't in effect as of yet. And that's for a number of reasons, really. Um, I mean, the most obvious one, I suppose, is that establishing a brand new multinational legal system is definitely no easy task. Uh, you have to create physical courts, IT systems, rules, appoint judges, etc. And aside from that, there's also been issues like Italy and Spain objecting to this idea in the first place. This sort of all stemmed from them not being included in the official languages. Mm. And I think for Spain particularly, this was troubling because obviously their language is spoken so widely globally, but historically it's just not linked with the European Patent Office. So these objections were actually defeated and Italy has now decided to join unitary patent. But Spain remains outside the pact, so we'll have to see if they change their mind, but that doesn't actually prohibit it going ahead. Okay. So regarding the UK's position and all of this, um, what about Brexit? I'm guessing that there has already been a huge impact. Yeah, so that Brexit was the next big thing that kind of set this off course. So when the UK voted to leave the EU, the PATIC community was quite worried that this would be the end of UP and UPC. Obviously, it's an EU initiative. The UK needed to ratify it for it to come into effect. But then the UK government surprised everyone and ratified the UPC back in 2018, meaning it was only the Germans left to go to um, to confirm their commitment to this. But then out of the blue, um, a private individual lodged a complaint to the German government claiming that the UPC was unconstitutional. Wow. OK, so what on, on what grounds were they claim, making this claim? There were a few, but most prominently the fact that the German government had not approved the divestment of sovereign powers to the UPC. Mm. And also the legality of the UK's involvement post-Brexit, a very sort of valid question. Mm. So how damaging could this whole challenge be? Well, at the moment, it's hard to say. It puts Germany in a very powerful position. It is now up to them whether they throw out this challenge and ratify or they hear it and delay their, deci and delay their decision until the situation with Brexit becomes clearer. Having spoken to a couple of patent attorneys in the industry, they've said that they expect it to be thrown out. But with the current political climate, it really is impossible to say for certain either way. Looks like it's the kind of thing where only time will tell. Yeah. Really interesting stuff and very topical, of course. Um, thank you so much, Isabel, for shedding some light on this. Um, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid, today. But if you do want to see the recent article that Isabel wrote and that we published on this subject, as well as all of the great content from our latest issue of Gold, you can head over to our website at www.emg-gold.com. Thanks for listening and see you again on the EMG podcast.